25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y6. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, hour two off and running. I appreciate you tuning in here on this Tuesday, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local hometown heroes in all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. And if you want to see who they are, just go to favrates.com. You can click in the city or the county, and it'll show you the the local agents and the branch offices and kind of where they are and the phone numbers if you want to give them a call and check in to save a little money. And having a situation with your insurance where you don't have to worry about who's dealing with it and who's handling it and can you get in touch with them if the need arises. You're going to have somebody right down the road that you probably already know personally, and that's the hometown feel of Farm Bureau Insurance. All right, so Hour 2 is underway. Coming up in just about five minutes, we're going to chat it up with Neil Price. He is the play-by-play radio announcer for Mississippi State Basketball. And they're coming off a 91-59 win over Georgia back on Saturday. It was a blowout. State was up by 11 at halftime. And then, of course, I guess what I could do all this math, but it wound up being what a thirty, <laughs> a thirty-two point win. <clears throat> Good gracious! State's last two games on the men's side have been absolute blowouts. Who was it? Missouri and then Georgia. That's what it was. You know, State opened the SEC season with three straight losses. Lost uh, against Auburn. Went on the road. Lost to Alabama. Both of those were pretty good whippings. A twelve-point loss to Auburn. A 21-point loss to Alabama. Then the one-point buzzer-beater loss on the road at LSU. So three straight, and they had to come home to this home stretch and win some games. It was two straight on the road, three straight losses, but then three straight at home, Missouri, Georgia, Arkansas. They not only have won, they held Missouri to 45 points. Beat them 72-45, to and then... Just ran Georgia out of the gym the other day, 91-59. And getting ready tomorrow night to host Arkansas, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. So a chance to get back to an even 500 in SEC play. If you look at Arkansas, they are a 3-2 and team, 14-3 and overall. They've been a very good basketball team. Uh, not ranked, but they're knocking on the door in terms of the top of the SEC. And so State's going to host them tomorrow night. Much-needed wins, regardless of how they got them. Had to have it. 
Now, on the other side of the spectrum is Ole Miss basketball. And to their credit, the other night, Saturday night in uh, the Pavilion, they played their butts off against LSU. But Ole Miss has lost five straight games right now at this point, going back into their last game of non-conference. You know, they went on the road, played a top 25 Wichita State team, lost by 20 on the road to them. And so SEC play for Ole Miss has been at A&M a 10-point loss, hosted Arkansas four-point loss, played well, at Florida, got run out of the gym, what a 16-point loss. And then this four-point loss at home the other night to LSU, they played really well. At one point had a lead, like they may knock them off. And now they hit the road to go to Tennessee. And that's tonight, a big game for them. So at least around here, it was a rough start for everybody in men's basketball and SEC play. But at least for State, they picked it up. A couple of wins, has them feeling good. Another home game coming up tomorrow night and a chance to get back to 500. Let's talk about it right now, shall we? On the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States. That means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else. A guy who, I think, does the play-by-play stuff on the radio as well or better than just about anybody else is my buddy Neil Price. He is Hale State Voice on Twitter, and he's on your radio right now. Neil Man, did they ever more need two wins, and did they ever more get them? Wow. Yeah, they're playing really well right now, and it's amazing. You know, Coach Williams and I talked about some of the differences uh, in the game with Georgia last week, and or uh, I got my days mixed up. Yeah, last week, but it's like a long weekend. That's for me. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about it with with, with the Georgia game, and. He said he thought offensively some of the stuff that was missing for State was very basic, uh, energy, effort, you know, cut hard, move without the ball, move with purpose. They're doing all those things on offense. And Ben Howland has simplified the offense for him, and it's nothing revolutionary, just more motion concepts, playing through the offense, not having to make as many reads. And they have shown dramatic improvement on that side of the ball and or on that end of the floor. And if defensively they were turning the corner a few games back. I thought at LSU they played good defense. I don't think there was any issue with what they did there. And they had the nine point lead late and just couldn't hang on to it. Got careless with the ball. LSU made plays and found a way to win at home. And if you've watched LSU certainly since the start of conference play, they've got a knack for finding ways to win. What they did to State isn't anything that's been uncommon for them. They've been able to pull a few of them out of the fire, including the game at Ole Miss earlier uh, last week. So, you know, they're, they're picking at the right time. And, and here's the thing that is very encouraging. The national evaluation tool, the net, that's one of the biggest factors in what determines the field of 68 teams that are going to make the NCAA truck. Mississippi State started this three-game homestand at 80 in the net. And now with two convincing wins against teams that were ranked higher than them in the net ranking, State's in the low 50s now. Mm. That's a good place to be. And you've got a game coming up with Arkansas tomorrow night, another team that's ahead of you in the net, another great opportunity to keep building that resume and keep moving 
in the right direction with regard to making the NCAA tournament. So it's still a lot to play for. You know, and Neil, here we sit so early into the SEC season where we it seems like we're still figuring out who and what everybody is. But it's entirely possible, isn't it, that we may look back at some point and go, well, look, Auburn is really good, and you had to go, you know, you had to host them, but they're just really good. Alabama's a lot better than we thought. You look at what they did to Auburn, you had to go there. And LSU is what we thought. You were down there and had a doggone good chance to beat them, and they just had to hit a buzzer beater to, to beat you by one point. I mean, it's three straight losses, but it may not look like a terrible three straight losses in two or three weeks from now. No, I think that's that's very plausible. And, you know, I'm going to use the P word here. I think there's a lot of parity in the SEC this year. I think what we found out last year was that there were four teams that sort of separated themselves from everyone else in the league. And I'm just not sure that we're going to see that kind of separation this year. I think that anybody in this league is capable of beating anyone else on a given night. You know, look at look at Georgia and Missouri, okay? State's last two opponents. I think they're good examples. State won both those games by more than 25 points. Played very well to do it. Georgia had a great chance to beat Kentucky and Athens right out of the gate in SEC play. Uh, Missouri had a chance to win against a really good Alabama team in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa on yeah. Saturday, got it down to one multiple times in the second half and just couldn't get over the hump. What I'm telling you is that this thing is wide open. So, you know, Coach Allen's got the right approach to this. They're not looking any further ahead than the next game, and that's Arkansas tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And if they find a way to win that one, then you've got a huge game with Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge on Saturday. And I talked to a friend who's been covering this league for a better part of 40 years on the phone yesterday about you know those Big 12 games that are coming up the weekend. And he told me, you know, he said, I think it's going to be a day that, that could go a long way in deciding whether or not the five teams in the NCAA tournament or if they get seven or eight. So it's not just big for state, it's big for the SEC to try and go into Big 12 country and get some wins on the road that look good on a resume and for the others to hold serve at home against those Big 12 teams too. So anything can happen as we keep moving forward in this thing with still well over a month and a half to go. No doubt about it. Neil Price on your radio right now. So what about Arkansas? Uh, do you have a you have a quick scouting report on the Razorbacks before they get to town tomorrow night? Well, not as in-depth maybe as a lot of people would like. I'm still working through it. But uh, we're going over the press conference, and Coach Allen's going to tell us a little bit more here at 145 today. What I gather from talking to other folks that State has played that have faced Arkansas already is they, they look different. They play different than they did a season ago. You know, they had a big post last year that was really good, really skilled, and they played through him a lot. This year, more guard oriented under Eric Musselman. They play much more like an NBA team uh, because, you know, Coach Musselman's obviously got 
big-time pedigree in that regard, coached in the G League, coached in the NBA, dad coached in the NBA. So they're going to they're gonna play through two guys that have been pretty consistent for them in the backcourt all year. Where I think State's got a real edge and where I think it, it, you know they can gain uh, an advantage in this game is, is on the board. You know, State's been a great offensive rebounding team all year, one of the best in the country at doing that. And they're about plus seven and a half, plus eight in rebound margin this year. And Arkansas is minus 11 coming in in rebound margin. So, you know, if Reggie Berry goes out there, crashes the board, Robert Woodard, Abdullah, do those guys hit the boards the way they've been hitting them, I think State's going to really get a lot of chances at second shots in this game. And that could be an area where they could really turn the corner and, and, and gain an advantage. Neil Price on your radio. Neil, um, so we'll look forward to that. Uh, watching basketball tomorrow night, State trying to win three in a row, seeing if they can get back to an even 500. You were in the arena. Now, you were working. Obviously, I'm I'm not assuming that you got to see it or, or pay any attention to it, but uh, just curious if you did, the reaction in there, what it was like when Mike Leach came out and talked to everybody at halftime or, or at some point in the first half. I heard I heard the roars and and I saw him throw the t-shirt and do some of that. I didn't get to hear a word of what he said because obviously we're under the headphones and at that point you know we're we're kind of looking at what we've got to get ready for coming back out of the break. But you know he got an enthusiastic reaction from people and you know we would all have been shocked if if he wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people are excited about the potential of what can happen with him running the program. I think that people are excited about the offense that he's going to bring. Uh, they're excited to have a name that a lot of people around the country are talking about. You know, they're talking about Mike Leach, and as a result, they're talking about Mississippi State. And I think that state people are, are, are happy to hear their program's name being mentioned, uh, you know, on national talk shows now. And, uh, you know, I, I, so far, so good. You know, now I know they're working on getting staff together, and I think the offensive staff's falling into place pretty quickly, and nobody's surprised by that. And now I got to find the guys that make sense on defense and, and get those folks in here and start working on a plan towards spring practice. But uh, I thought he, he got a great ovation from people here, and uh, you know I think everybody's excited for spring football. And you think Super Bulldog weekend with State and Ole Miss playing baseball here in Starkville and in the first spring game with Mike Leach running the football program, you think there aren't going to be a few people around here that want to see all of that? It'd be a pretty fun weekend when we get to April. No question. No question about it. And it's – am I right, Neil? So Super Bulldog weekend is actually on Easter weekend this year. Um, and, and what I can't remember is if – if the baseball series is going to start on a Thursday and go through Saturday, or if it's actually Friday through Sunday, I can't remember. I'd have to to look that up. But hey, and on that note, so I, it seems like I mean you're you're a, a part of state. You've been here long enough. It's not like you're brand new at all. I just have never asked you that. And that is your impressions of Super Bulldog Weekend. I know it's months away, but but we bring it up. Uh, in in the last couple of years, you've been able to go and kind of see what Super Bulldog Weekend is all about. It, it, did it make the impression you thought it would? 
Well, I mean, I was on the other side of a couple of them now doing baseball at Kentucky. So, you know, I, I had seen kind of what it was before I got here. And uh, what I'll tell you, it's just, it's not bad being on this side of it. Uh, it's better <laughs> in a lot of cases being on this side of it. But uh, I think it's great. And the way I've described it to people is it's like a spring homecoming mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And it's unique in that a lot of people in the league do something like this. I mean, Alabama and Auburn have a day and they do that, but it's more geared, I think, toward football and baseball just happens to be a part of it. Here, I think it's kind of the reverse in that baseball is the draw uh, because it's always an SEC weekend. Usually it's against an opponent from the West, and and then the football game is, is an added bonus for people to, to be a part of. I know we've had some bad luck with weather, uh, you know, last year certainly with, with that downpour rain, and, and I hope the weather is better this time around and you know i'm also hopeful that a lot of people are going to come to spring game you know that's the one thing that there, there just hasn't been a huge crowd for it uh first two years that, that i've been you know here to, to see it and i know there's a lot of stuff that goes into that weather last year being a big factor uh but i think mean, this year new coach uh a guy that people are excited about uh i think that we got a chance to turn that around and get some people in the stadium and get them excited about what's going to happen. If nothing else, a lot of people be curious and see, you know, what, what, what lies ahead in the fall and not just personnel, but, but see that offense and, and a new defense and, and what's going to happen. No doubt. Yeah, Neil, I'd forgotten about that. That's right. Kentucky, it's been, I mean, very recently state hosted Kentucky during Super Bulldog weekend. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Brent Rooker hit three home runs in one game in one of those Super Bowl dog weekend games last time I came down here on the other side of one of them. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm thinking that was the Saturday afternoon game, Super Bowl dog weekend, and he hit three home runs in the same game. Yeah, I think that's right. One of those was a moonshot. It almost brought rain with it. Um, so, so you had the – that's one thing I forget, too. I, I don't bring it up enough. I'm always curious, but you had the – very distinct perspective of, you know, one year you're in the broadcast booth, you see the left field lounge the way it used to be, Duty Noble the way it used to be, the old dude. And then here you are a couple of years later, last year, you get to see from the broadcast booth that perspective of the new dude. What do you think about that transformation? Oh, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really nice place, you know, and, Here's what I'll tell you. I've seen these transformations at, at a lot of different places in the SEC. You know, uh, at LSU, at South Carolina, um, here. I, I haven't seen the new park in Kentucky. I was in a lot of the meetings when they were putting it together. So <laughs> I've got an idea kind of what they've accomplished there. And by all accounts, everything has been very nice. Alabama's changed a lot. Uh, since I first started, you know, making that loop. And the thing, the, the brick and the mortar and all the revenue-generating areas that come out of things like this, they're great. At the end of the day, Matt, it's all about the people that are in the space. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it. It's it, to look one way or another, it, the aesthetics of it, that that's great. But it's about the people. Um, Ever Kennard was kind enough. Uh, the first Super Bulldog weekend that I was here, uh, State played Arkansas. 
and he was kind enough to have me out uh, to sit with him and Henry Sue and, and their family uh, out in their box in center field. And the stadium still wasn't quite quite done yet, about halfway through the process. And everybody was kind of trying to figure out what are they going to do with their left field lounge box, how they want to set it up. And then last year, of course, was the first year I think everybody kind of had an idea of here's what our space is, here's what we can bring in, here's how we can personalize it and make it our own. But it was really cool in that first year with a lot of folks out there with nothing more than some folding chairs <laughs> and their grills and, and just hanging out having a good time watching the game when all you had was the lower the lower seating bowl open yeah. uh, in the grandstand. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cool then. Uh, I can remember my very first trip to Starkville was to do baseball in a regional. I was doing games at Middle Tennessee. This would have been, oh boy, uh, 2003, I think, Matt. I may be off a year here or there, getting older. But um, Paul Mahala pitched for state against Middle Tennessee. And I remember in the fifth inning, the outfielders disappeared because they were cooking so much out behind that outfield fence <laughs> that the smoke just rolled over. Yeah. And I couldn't see the outfielders. But I also remember, too, after Mahalan struck out about 10 or 12 in that game uh, and, and beat Middle pretty good, I also remember being able to walk out there the next day and go through it and how, how great the people were. Yeah. Even though they just worn middle out, you know, they, they were out there offering to feed you and asking questions about the team. And, you know, that, that, that to me is what makes it special. You yeah. Have, you have the Taj Mahal, and we do. We've got it, and we're fortunate to have it. But it's the people. At the end of the day, it's the people that make it, and we got some really good ones. Thank you, Neil. Y'all stick around. Thanks, Matt. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All right, let's continue along, shall we, here on this Tuesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Hey to the folks watching on Facebook, live here today, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Francis says, go dogs. Ricky listening in Suwannee, Georgia. Isn't that where the Suwannee River is and therefore the song? Way down upon the Suwannee River. I believe that's right. And Tyler on Facebook was letting me know that uh, he says that the Ole Miss-Mississippi State Baseball Series in April for Super Bulldog Weekend in Starkville is Thursday through Saturday. So good. Good. You wouldn't think that, you know, on Easter weekend that things would go into Sunday. So that's good. All right. A lot of texts here on the text line, 885-ESPN. See it? If you're watching the stream, there's a number this side over here. There it is. See, 601-885-ESPN. If you need the number, it's 601-885-3776. True Maroon on the text line said this. I couldn't figure out how these two things connect. He said, I love beer, but when it comes to baseball, I line up the broadcast with Jim Ellis, the goat. <laughs> now, 
And is that two conversations that got melted into one? Is it a typo? Or is it like the wrong use of a conjunction in a sentence? I love beer, but when it comes to baseball, I line up the broadcast with Jim Ellis the Goat. Now, why can't you do both? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Jared on the text line says, predicting the Mississippi State 2020 football season, it's a great schedule for a hot start and a strong finish. Looks like 4-4-4. He says, get off to 4-0. Lose the next four, go four and four, and then win the last four, and that's eight and four. Well, that'd be a roller coaster, be up and down. Mad male person texted the show and said, Is Bo Bounds undercover as Michael complaining about the state girls? I'm at the women's team. No, he's not. And I know you were being facetious anyway. Nick says, You know football is officially over when folks are arguing about a midweek women's basketball game. Bring on baseball. (laughs) We had a question here that said, it's from a ghost texter, we don't have a name. Can Plumlee run the Kiffin offense? Now, that's a... I think that one's maybe a little bit of a different kind of question mark than what we had earlier. Somebody, you know, texted in and was asking or was agreeing. We agreed on the same subject, the idea that, you know, anybody would question whether or not Garrett Schrader at State could run Mike Leach's offense. He definitely can. Does he? I don't know. He's got to go win the job. It's not a physical thing at all for Garrett Schrader. He's got every physical tool you want, all of it. Just a matter of learning the offense and can you process it up here. Between the years. But running the Kiffin offense and can Plumlee do it. Look, when you have an athlete like a John Rice Plumlee, you have to figure out a way to use him. You don't have a whole lot of people on the team faster than him, do you? Anybody? So you have to use him somehow if he wants to play. And he's a playmaker and tough. Did a bunch of good things for you as a true freshman, which is really hard to do. I have tremendous respect for that. But if you want to stand back there and drop back and throw it all over the field and stuff, there might be a few things that he struggles with, you know, size in terms of seeing the field in the pocket versus on the move and all that kind of stuff. So you may have to adjust. But again, I think it sometimes is a bit of a misnomer to say, well, Air quotes here, Kiffin's offense doesn't fit XXX player. Because, you know, maybe you don't want to run this particular set or you want to always, over the next 10 years, be set, you know, this type of team. But if you're a first year coach, there's a whole team of players you didn't recruit. So it would behoove you to go in there and figure out what they can do. And maybe in year one, it doesn't look exactly like you want it to in year four. But you do what you can do to win some games. All that to say, he's good enough to play quarterback in the SEC. He's fast enough to play quarterback in the SEC. There's a way to use him effectively, no question. And they just have to decide, do they have a better option? Or if he's their best option, you coach around him. And it would not be a matter of the offense fitting the player. 
I'm sorry, it would not be a matter of the player fitting what offense he wants to run. You do it the other way around. You make the offense fit the players you have. Same texture was letting us know that Damon Clowney, the cousin of Jadavion Clowney, has committed to Ole Miss, a, a defensive end, playing uh, the same position as his cousin. Tim on the text line. As many times the state has been in trouble with the NCAA, you should know more than anyone. You cannot control what other people do with their money. You can try, but good luck. I'll be sure and remind you of that the next time state gets slapped. No, Tim, the point of what I was reading earlier was that there's a level of blue blood in college football and basketball that you have to be in order for the NCAA to leave you alone and to turn a blind eye to anything. Look, it's what it is. The NCAA is a joke. The setup, the structure, the enforcement is a joke. Their motto, their mission statement is not a joke. I mean, they got great ideas. Trying to ensure an equal and level playing field looking out for the best interest of the whole thing to kind of make it float, okay, fine. But the reality of it is, because people are corrupt, okay, we are. We'll screw anything up. And people, by and large, are corrupt. And then you throw in any situation where there's millions upon billions of dollars at stake including in the pockets of individuals, (laughs) then they're going to do what they have to do, corrupt or not, to protect that. And that's what the NCAA does. So we cannot like it, but it is true. That was the point of the whole thing, Tim. Mississippi State is not in that blue blood level where the NCAA would just turn a blind eye to anything. North Carolina basketball, Duke basketball, you know, LSU football, Alabama football. Now, every now and then, every four or five years, the media will uncover something, maybe at a blue blood, and the NCAA will march their troops over the hill in a circle, metaphorically, to show you they exist. Yeah, sure, they'll throw a few penalties at USC. It's in the paper. We got the details. They reported it over there at Yahoo. Okay. We'll do that one. Or we'll stick, you know, it's a legal issue at Penn State, but we'll get involved with it so that people think we exist. Yeah, sure, they'll do that, get the right pressure going. But it's only every, what, once a decade, twice a decade at the most. And it, and it's what Civil War generals did <laughs> when they didn't have very many troops, but they wanted the enemy to think they did. They'd find a place where there was a high spot, and they'd, march their troops and artillery in a line over that high spot so that the enemy a thousand yards away was watching them. And when they'd go out of sight over the hill, they'd just circle back around, change clothes, put on a different hat, and and bring the same troops and the same cannons back over there so that the enemy would think they had double the number of artillery and troops than they actually had. The NCAA will do that about every five years. Now, don't you think for one second, though, If they get a chance to zap State and zap Ole Miss, they'll do it. That's been about five years. Right. But they'll turn a blind eye to LSU. They have, and they will. 
It's just the way it is. It's kind of like going on the road to play South Carolina when they're number one in women's basketball. The officials ain't going to be on your side. You just have to know that going in. (laughs) Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Jay in Baltimore on the text line, 885 ESPN. Jay, listening in Baltimore, Maryland, said the six wins for Mississippi State football in 2020 are. New Mexico, Arkansas, Tulane, Missouri, Kentucky, and Alabama A&M. He said, there are your six wins. There's your six wins. That doesn't uh, include Ole Miss and North Carolina State. Anything less than six wins will be a disappointment. That from Jay in Baltimore, Maryland. All right. Phone line. Divinity Equipment phone. First up, Clay hanging on. What's up, Clay? Man, I'm just trying to make it through this Monday that I'm having to live on a Tuesday. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, I, I'll take five. I mean, I think we deserve, we could get eight, but I'll take five wins. I mean, six is, anything less than that's not going to be a disappointment as long as it's five and, and we're competitive. And I think his offense is going to be a little bit to put in. I mean, it, like you said, can he run it? Yeah. Will he run it? We'll have to see. Talking about uh, Schrader, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I think Keon. I think Keon may be a better fit for his offense, but I don't know that he's going to be around. Yeah, Keita. Let me say this about State and Ole Miss people, and I'm a State guy, and I was one of these people. I really was, and I released myself from this torture. You know, we spend so much time, like the guy coming was whatever about State probation. We're going to get hammered for everybody else. I mean, and if it's as old saying as the hills. They're going to get so dang mad at Alabama, they're going to put State or Ole Miss on probation. It's a fact, Jack. It's, it always comes around, and it is about a 10-year cycle. Every, you look back. Look, when you got time one day, Matt, look back and see how often we're investigated or put on probation. Either one of us. Mm-hmm. But we spend so much time worried about, as State and Ole Miss fans, is the, we're more concerned with the other one's failures than our own success. Mm-hmm. I mean, we drive ourselves insane with the misery of, Let's make sure they suffer and suck and are terrible mm-hmm. more than we worry about our success. And I, I, I was that fan one time, too. I really was. I'm not going to lie. And I released myself from it. I got off all the troll pages. I said, you know, I spend as much time worried about something I can't control and the failure of somebody else more than the success. Of, enjoy what we got. Right. When you got success, enjoy it. Don't worry about it. My son lives in South Carolina. He's been there almost three years now. He said, there's never South Carolina doesn't troll Clemson, Clemson doesn't troll South. And I was talking about in a negative way, like, oh, did you see they bought? So he said, I hang out at sports bars and watch games, and all of my work coworkers are there. I have a good mix of Clemson and South Carolina fans. He said, they never do anything that we do as State and Ole Miss fans. They don't troll each other. They're not reporting or saying, I know Bobby Sue who gave Tucker a thousand dollars to get his utilities back on, or or a down payment on a car. I know him, and we know it's. 2.8 million people, man. Come on. Everybody knows somebody. <laughs> right. But we but we spend more time concerned about the failure of each other 
than the success of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm enjoying women's basketball right now. And my Ole Miss buddy always makes a comment, yeah, you know you know, your program's a, a, a crap show when you're concerned about women's basketball. No, no, I'm concerned. They're, they're doing good. They're enjoyable to watch. Just like when baseball comes around, I'm enjoying watching baseball. And, y'all, and Ole Miss fans should, too. Ole Miss had a heck of a recruiting class in women's basketball. You know what? They're going to be successful in the near future. So they're not supposed and I'm saying this to my friend, I'm using my friend's example. So they're not supposed to enjoy the success in that because it means they're a failure somewhere else. Yeah. No, you support your entire university. And Clay, and move you on. know, like a few years ago, um, we went through that when Vic Schaefer went to state and they began to have a lot of success in state began to put nine and 10,000 people in there for some women's games throughout the year. And, um, and I, I, I had Ole Miss friends, coworkers, uh, co-hosts and everybody who made fun of the fact that state fans were all of a sudden invested in women's basketball and would make little snide comments. And as soon as that Ole Miss softball team went to the postseason, they were all about softball. Wanted to talk about it and, hey. and, and everything. And you know what? I didn't blame them because then, you know, you could kind of see if it's your school and your, um, you know, it's your team and your university. If they're your, good, it's your school and your success. You're, you enjoy If it. they're good at anything, you like it. And, and people, you know, need to understand that. But I agree with you, Clay. Um, and I appreciate the call, hey, man. Let me Thank say you. this to you real quick. Let me, let me, Go ahead. You good. He gone. He gone. Sorry, Clay. I didn't. I wasn't cutting you off there. Let's see here, Ponto, on the Divini Equipment phone. Hey, Ponto, what's up? Hey, um, San Francisco seventeen, Kansas City twenty six. Okay, okay. Who so in you... the world would pick forty ers to win? Why? Well, all right, Ponto. Maybe it's. Okay, again, maybe it's emotional hedging. I'm a Chiefs fan. I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Can they win it? Yes. Do they have a better offense? I think so. Sure. Yes. That you know, the 49ers offense though is so bludgeoning and they have already said part of the reason they shaped their offense running the football the way they did this year for San Francisco was because of how good their defense is. They knew they'd be able to win games that way. Their running game's been dominant, and that's why going into the game against Tennessee I thought that Tennessee had a big advantage with Derrick Henry in their run game. I even told people, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to score 40 points to win this game. I never saw any indicator that the Chiefs defense would be able to go out and shut down Tennessee's running game, but they did it. Now, so having said all that, I don't see any indicators other than the most recent game that says the Chiefs can shut down San Francisco's run game. So maybe it's emotional hedging. I just look at it and said, I think I'm afraid the 49ers are a more physical team than Kansas City. But I really hope Kansas City wins, and I want to see it. I'm going to enjoy the game either way. Well, who's better than Chris Stones on the defensive line? Who's better than what? I'm sorry? Who's better than Chris Stones on the defensive line? Yeah, Chris, uh, man, and I'll tell you what. You talk about playing great out of nowhere. Game time decision, and they put him in on a couple of third downs early for Kansas City, and he just blew block. Whoever was trying to block him had no chance. And after he started doing that, they started playing him a little more and a little more, and they realized, hey, his calf's fine. Just keep playing him. He was in 
Two guys on that Chiefs defense, Chris Jones from Houston, Mississippi, Mississippi State, and the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, number 32, the safety from LSU. Those two guys on the Chiefs defense, more than anybody else, just have a knack for making the big play and being in the right spot at the right time. And boy, they ever showed up big against Tennessee. Yeah, well, I'm saying 26-17. Okay. I'm sticking to it. I hope you're right. I really do. Thanks, Ponto. Appreciate the call, man. God bless. Yep, God bless you. Thank you. Bulldog Bo in Memphis on the text line. Matt, I agree. ESPN announcers are terrible, especially that guy who does baseball with Bart. <laughs> we ain't on ESPN for a reason. Bart could do it. Ain't no way I could do it. Well, I mean, I could do it. But, like, what could I do is sort of the thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's numbers. It is a, it, it is an unmitigated fact that Jim Nance is the best. And he's got Tony Romo. They are the best. And they're on CBS. The next best are Aikman and Buck. Well, they're doing the lead NFL games for those two major networks for a reason. NBC, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. Those are the best. They set the standard, and Nance and Romo are above all of them. In term, in, and the biggest reason is if you watch a game on CBS with Nance and Romo, guess what? They are big time, and they know it. They are totally confident in their own shoes. There are no self-esteem issues with Jim Nance and Tony Romo for all these different reasons. I mean, for Nance, heck. Doing an NFL game is not even a big deal. Okay, why? Because he does the Masters. <laughs> Romo's there just having a good time. He's got more money stacked away in a bank. He doesn't even need that job, and he knows it. Therefore, their self-esteem issues don't come bleeding through into the broadcast. They don't feel the need to talk about themselves. All in the world they do is they watch a game. They're there for the game. The entire broadcast is about the game. The only time they deviate from that is when they have to do a promo for some show that's launching this week on CBS. Whereas ESPN broadcasts 8 million games every week across five different sports. Now, where are they going to find good, quality, feet-on-the-ground, solid, A-level broadcasters for all 8 million games? Really, where are they going to find them? I'll tell you, nowhere, because they don't exist. There's only one Jim Nance. <laughs> All right, so the rest of them stink. <laughs> and out of those 8 million broadcasters, they're all so doggone insecure that they're having to do some, you know, Austin P versus Nichols Wednesday night basketball game. And they go way overboard with what they wear. They talk about what they wear. They talk about themselves. They try to be silly. They are too goofy. They don't concentrate on the game. They're insecure about the game to begin with. They don't even really believe anybody's watching it. So if nobody's watching the game, why should I care about the game? It, it's So 90% of the broadcasts of ball games on ESPN are awful. You must mute them, find the local radio broadcast, and stick with that because those people aren't going to spend eight minutes telling you about what they're wearing. See you all tomorrow. See you. 
You've been listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.